the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420, The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Good morning, everybody, and a cold one. Well, I walked my dog yesterday morning. I I didn't wear gloves or a hat. I didn't think I was going to come back. Anyway, let's start thinking positively. The pessimist complains about the wind. The optimist expects it to change. The realists adjust the sails. Can't remember who said that, but I wrote it out of a book. Difficulty is the excuse history never accepts. (laughs) Ain't that the truth? And everything in the world may be endured except continual prosperity. That's Goethe. Von Goethe, by the way. Failure will never overtake me if my determination to succeed is strong uh, enough. That's Mandino. Ah, there we go. So now that we're thinking positively, <laughs> it doesn't matter how cold it is outside. Uh, you know, I always talk uh, for the first couple of minutes about our web page, which is a good one. Um, you know, we have a bulletin board and we come out with a, uh, a market week newsletter. And uh, it's amazing how many people don't know what's going on in the market uh, they see the market going up and down. They don't know that we've been basically sideways for two years and, you know, whatever. Uh, also, the daily technical analysis is Bob Dickey's stuff, and uh, he's quite good. I mean, he's won all sorts of awards. Uh, we had him in town last uh, two springs in a row. Uh, probably gonna, not going to have him this next spring. But uh, he does a great job and uh, uh, really giving you a picture of what's going on. Uh, also, we have a piece on cybersecurities, and you know we're, we're the one firm that's been saying that interest rates will stay lower, lower for longer. We have a new newsletter out, so if you do go to WHK fourteen twenty AM and go to local podcast down to Tim Hayes, you can get right to my webpage from there, and you can sign up for these things if you like. We have you know uh, all sorts of dividend growth port- portfolios and prime income lists and things like that. But our November newsletter is available, and there's the three regrets of retirees, ten tax year. Uh, year-end tax tips, a few other things. I keep talking about this, but uh, the Savvy Investor's Credit Workbook. Uh, you got to know both sides of your balance sheets, and you got to know how to use both sides of your balance sheets so you don't go belly up. Uh, I talked about our global best uh, income ideas. I also talked about our global energy best ideas, and I'm sorry, but um, we... <laughs> We we have it's now restricted, so uh, I can't send it out, and I, I apologize, but uh, um, it's the way it goes sometimes. So, you know, uh, it's because one of the names on the uh, on the list is is a takeover tar- target, or we're doing some investment banking work for. So, uh, by the way, I am seeing more and more oil stocks, and this is the unfortunate part about this not being able to send this out. I'm seeing more and more oil stocks uh, where big option plays are available. Uh, you know, Transocean was, before their earnings, uh, I noticed that there was a huge option trade, and they went up 10% afterwards. 
uh, and it's been on quite a few names. So um, Marathon Oil was up 3 4% on Friday. I noticed the options were went crazy on Tuesday. Uh, Petrobras said the options go crazy on Friday. So we'll see what happens. But people are starting to bet on oil. Uh, and like I said, oil stocks are changing. They're, they're going to more to a cash flow model than a, an oil discovery model. So keep that at bay. Um, by the way, on my webpage, if you go to WHK 1420 AM and go down, you know, from the, uh, the podcast, local podcasts, uh, down to Tim Hayes, uh, you can also listen to my pod, you know, if you miss part of the show or you, you get up late cause it's early, I get it. Um, you can go back there and, uh, on Tuesday mornings, they, uh, they start to rerun it about noon. Uh, sometimes it's Mondays. I don't know, you know, why the difference, but it does. Uh, also, you know, if you want to have a cup of coffee, sit down and talk about your portfolio. Uh, you know, you can hit the email me or, 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 uh, contact me and, uh, we'd be glad to talk to you. You know, the average car loan stretches for roughly 69 months and that's a record. Uh, some last longer in the first half of the year, 1.5% of auto loans for new vehicles had terms of 85 months or longer. So Experian five, five years ago, these eight and nine year loans were practically non-existent. That's from experience. So the worldwide travel and tourist sector is growing strong, outpacing the growth of global GDP in 2018 for the eighth year in a row, according to the new research from World Travel and Tourism Council. According to the WTTC, last year, travel and tourism grew 3.9%, above global growth of 3.2%, and contributing a record $8.8 trillion and 319 million jobs to the economies of the world. So... Uh, co-working tenants occupy 54.2 million square feet nationally and more than 16% of the office demand, sp- uh, uh, demand since the beginning of 2017 can be attributed to co-working firms in, in 54 major U.S. markets. So uh, you know, people are sharing is <laughs> what it comes down to. Um, you know, um, there is some changes coming to Medicare, and uh, I think you got to know that you know, what's going on. There's uh, it was a great newsletter from one of our, our correspondents. Uh, but th- there are some coming changes. And I think you got to know that, uh, you know, as we move into the fourth quarter, it's important to track a few Medicare changes. Uh, first of all, the RI, uh, no, IRMMA brackets will be indexed for inflation, which was not the case before. And Medigap plan CNF will no longer be available to new enrollees. Okay. And the Medicare Part D donut hole continues to be phased out slowly but surely. So those are three major events, and I think uh, people have to be starting to think about them because uh, I don't think anybody is. Uh, I know that I talked to two people about it the other day, and, and they didn't know what I was talking about. Uh, so if you go to Medicare.gov, uh, there's there's quite a bit of information on there. The other thing, I, it's this time of year um, – you know, one of the things I've been finding in up years and down years, no matter what happens, mutual funds are giving you capital gains. That kind of hurts sometimes. You know, uh, like in 2008, 2007, they had bad years, yet they gave you capital gains, which is the last thing you want. But, you know, um, I think, you know, a capital gain is just, by the way, a distribution is a payment by a mutual fund uh, of the investor's share of proceeds of the fund's sale of stock or bonds in a calendar year. And the problem with mutual funds is, and one of the reasons I don't use them as much is because uh, if the guy down the street sells a stock or sells his you know shares in the mutual fund, it's a taxable event for you. Okay, so it's all you know interwoven. So 
look, these distributions are normally paid out towards the end of the year with most occurring in December and a handful in, in, in uh, November. So you might want to check with your mutual fund company and find out what they, what they're bringing. Uh, so, it, you know, can capital gains distributions be forecast any level of success is the big question, but who knows? But, you know, we have our global insight outlook uh, 2020 coming up and it's, I, it's, I think it's going to be a good one. You know, a lot of people got this from me last year, but I mean, some of the highlights that I read were, first of all, our investment stance. We uh, at RBC Wealth Management, uh, we view the global equity and fixed income markets uh, in in 2020, including specific regional outlooks. Uh, so we also provide some thoughts on currencies and commodities for the year end. So that's that's one of the things we're doing. Uh, we we're talking about equities in the economy. We're staying alert to the possibility the stock market could, you know, enter a more challenging environment should uh, be job one for investors in 2020. So you want to be careful, uh, although I I disagree with a little bit of this, but negative bond yields, you know, have become very, uh, you know, prominent these days and has the uncertainty as investors skittish because that usually leads to a uh, a problem. And they think there might be a disruption in the industrial sector, although the industrial has been going sideways for two years. Uh, and then we talk about our credit, you know, uh, the central banks and the credit outlook. And, uh, you know, we think things are turning. But we had an FMOC meeting this week and uh, they did lower rates, but they sh- they showed us a, a shift away from a bias for future rate cuts and, a, you know, a, a pivot from the summit where the trade disputes threatened to derail the global economy. So they're now saying that uh, they'll act appropriate to sustain the expansion. So it's a change. The Fed outlook, Chair Powell did his best to persuade the market's further adjustments to monetary policy will only come if the committee sees a material reassessment. So obviously they're not in a hurry. The next move hinges on inflation. So he's not, he says we're not thinking about raising rates right now. So he's gonna, he'll probably be late if that occurs. Now, Look, there there are some things that are pointing to recession, uh, and I don't think the impeachment process is helping at all, which seems to be a fiasco. But I also think, you know, markets tend to outperform into recessions, even if that's the case. So remember, they're lowering rates now. They've lowered them three times. They raised them nine times in a row. They're no longer taking $50 billion out of the economy every month, okay, and giving it back to the Treasury never to be seen of again. So, um, you know, don't get carried away, you know. When rates start going down, most people are the most bearish, and it's usually the best time to buy. Now, we did have a kind of an interesting scenario. Uh, if I looked at the S&P 500, you know, one of the things I noticed that the top five surprise earnings beats came from the real estate sector. Isn't that interesting? So I looked at a couple names in that sector, and they were kind of they were interesting. So, also, uh, central bankers around the world have decided what they will uh, be for Halloween. Uh, and the vast majority will be doves, <laughs> uh, hoping lesser economic policy brings treats for the economies because the global monetary policy tracker shows countries around the world are loosening monetary policy after be, being in a tighty mood for the past couple of years, which is you know probably good because they were pretty tight. Um, and we'll see what happens. I did, I have been noticing something in the what I call the globalization of domestic equities, and uh, I read an article from my friends at Dorsey Wright, and also from another. A uh, very smart guy, and uh, I, I thought it was interesting that we're becoming our revenues, our U.S. revenues are about fifty percent, fifty-seven percent of the revenues in the S and P five hundred, where it's now forty-three percent are world revenues. So the large and mega cap names included in the S and P 
uh, 100 OEX display, uh, you know, are showing even greater numbers there. So uh, in the in the global area. So what we're seeing is, um, you know, a, a big change in, uh, you know, 50-50 would be kind of interesting. But a lot of the growth stocks, the domestic revenue uh, has has been the reason that they've been held back for some reason. But, uh, you know, we've, we now have some of these names starting to break out, which is interesting because uh, they're no longer raising rates, but, you know, some in the, um, uh, in the semiconductor area and, uh, and, you know, even the cable area. Okay. So uh, that, that's really interesting. The value stocks, what's, what's interesting is uh, the more U S exposure, the better they've been doing in the last two months. So we'll see if that continues uh, going on, and uh, it's kind of an interesting scenario. Now, we did see a couple things that are positive uh, this week. The bullish percent for the New York Stock Exchange turned up. Uh, also, the Standard Poor's 100 broke out to a new high, but the Dow didn't. Interesting. And we talked about foreign stocks, and the EFA and the EEM, which are two representatives, uh, both broke their downtrend lines, which is kind of interesting. I also noticed that Russian stocks are dominating the playing field. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Now, the other... uh, Oh, welcome back. I'm sorry. The other thing I want to talk about was uh, that the bullish percent for the small cap, and I'm talking about the small cap 600, um, did break into a column of X's. And uh, if it were to break 54, which I think it did Friday, I, I you know, I, I forgot to look at it and I apologize. But if it did, then small caps would be the first sign that small caps are starting to outperform. Now, they did really well in September. They outperformed growth stocks. And, I'm, you know, look, uh, Anest, uh, Arista Networks blew up on Friday. Uh, Twilo blew up. And we were talking about these names, you know, software and, and the growth names being a problem. And we said there'd be a switch. And it's starting to switch a little bit. So, it, the bull, you know, the small caps did outperform in September. And then they fell back a little bit. And now they're turning back up again. So that would be a big positive in, in my view. I've, uh, you, you don't want the stock market going up on just one group. You want a bunch of groups being, um, you know, doing better. And, you know, I, I did notice that uh, there were several groups like business products, gaming, uh, that are, are really, you know, in, are starting to turn up, which is uh, – you know, kind of interesting, and you know, because like um, business products is what we call bear correction. So it was a bear market; it's rallying. Um, but you know, we're also seeing drugs start to break out, and biogenetics. I mean, there's been five deals in like a month. Um, so we're seeing a, a couple things more, you know, more getting more and more positive, and that's the percent positive weekly momentum for optionable stocks, or what we call MUTI at uh, Dorsey Wright. And and the percent positive weekly momentum for New York Stock Exchange stocks, they both reversed up into a column of X's, which is very positive. Now, one of the things I am seeing is uh, there's uh, some sectors that are starting to really become positive momentum in a big way, and, and they are computers, Internet, semiconductors. So that's some of the old names. Uh, you know, it, obviously, Internet, Facebook had a great quarter this month. You know, they, they have a great balance sheet. I just, uh, the problem is, do you want to have uh, the exposure to the government? And I don't know. But the semiconductor group, you know, we've been on this for about two months now. 
is really leading the charge. And and now computers, which are not favored, by the way, and either is Internet. So these may be just bounces. Uh, but I'm, I, I came up with a list of a whole bunch of new names that uh, are, you know, showing relative strength. Um, you know, big uh, semiconductor equipment names and, and that type of thing. So and I'm also seeing some restaurants, which I thought was kind of interesting. I haven't seen that in a while. Now, look, we, we have a steeper yield curve now, and it may this this may re, uh, explain the rotation into financial stocks. Um, there's a lot of positive group rotation. Uh, we see new money moving into domestic small caps, and and some of the economically sensitive transports. Although C H uh, Robinson just blew up on Friday, um, but we have also seen the cheaper va- value stocks gaining ground on growth stocks. And so that's ste- that's the steeple yield curve. So as long as the yield curve was inverted or, or interest rates were heading down, uh, the growth stocks is where everybody wanted to be. Since they've been that way since the Obama administration started and you know basically since 1982, growth stocks have outperformed. But if you do start to have uh, you know some help, but look, I, I was I was looking at the the spread or the yield curve between the ten and the two year Treasury yields, and as that went up, so did the XLF, which is the you know, the uh, uh, financial ETF. So that's kind of interesting. Um, you know, I, I was looking at numbers and and um, Lori Calcivina did a piece on this this week. And and, and I thought it was uh, Lori Calcivina, by the way, is our head strategist. And she's very good. At, she made some great calls. She said the fangs wouldn't do anything last summer and they still haven't done anything. So she made a pretty good call there. And, you know, she mentioned this of the 47 stocks that I followed. uh 15% gapped up by 3% after earnings, while only four gapped down by less than 3%. Only two gapped up more than 10% to the upside. Uh, stocks gaining 3% from the close before earnings to Friday was 21. You know, so we're seeing stocks blow, blow up to the upside. And look, people are shorting stocks without borrowing it. It's a naked short. It's a dangerous thing, and I think people are going to pay for it. <laughs> Uh, because of what I think is going to happen in the fourth quarter, things are going to get really interesting. But, you know, I, I saw it with five or six, you know, big name stocks, uh, with the exception of one that I owned, and that was Baxter, uh, which I'm, I don't own that much anymore. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, you got to get interested in, in some of these names because they're, they're starting to blow up on the upside. And look, small cap stocks are turning positive and, and tech is leading the way. There's, uh, you know, I got three or four t- small cap stocks that I really, really like. I'm also starting to see, I mean, there's been five deals in the biotech area uh, since the end of August, uh, the end of uh, July, which is uh, interesting. And then I looked at the consumer discretionary stocks, and it's kind of a, you know, we have some of them selling off, and we got some of them breaking out, um, you know, and, and it's, it's really interesting, um, and even some that are breaking out, like Nike broke out and, and pulled back hard. Uh, so you, you wonder, you know, what's going on there. But it's a very, very uh, diverse group in that, you know, you got Coles getting beat up, but you've got uh, Target going crazy. Uh, you know, so, you know, Walmart's going crazy. You know, Amazon's not doing so well lately. So we'll, we'll see. Uh, they didn't have a very good earnings announcement. So, but look, I want to get back to this four-year cycle that I've been, you know, is a dead horse at this point, but I've been talking about it for a year. 
don't lose sight of the bullish long-term cycle as it as the near-term pullback, you know, little one we had because of the uh, impeachment process. But, you know, like a short-term pause is probably likely in hand. I, I think we're pretty overbought, and I, but I just can't get that four-year cycle. And by, by the way, this has been happening for hundreds, you know, 150 years, okay? So in, in a bad market, you know, you have a four-year cycle going sideways, then you go down for <laughs> four years. Uh, in, a, in an up cycle, you go sideways for four years, and then you go up. And, and we've been basically going, you know, sideways. So the the cycle backdrop is bullish on the intermediate term. I think one to two quarter tactical shift back to cyclicals is going to occur. It may be three to four years. Who knows? And and the global equity markets are using our um, well. Let's put it this way. I think they're really early in the in the second bull market up leg, uh, but it's it's starting to develop. And and um, I think you know it's a change, like I've said, from value to grow. I mean, to value from growth. Uh, and rates and currencies are moving in the right direction and supportive of, of a shift towards cyclicals. Interest rates are coming down. Currencies, you know, the dollar is starting to give up a little bit. Um, you know, we have not, you know, the dollar broke down out of its uh, uptrend line and has not broken back up. So um, now I'm seeing a cyclical rotation and it continues into banks. And uh, boy, I tell you, some of the bank charts look great. And the industrials, there's a rotation that continues. Um, you got a growing list that are resolving a one to two, three year consolidation to the upside. And it's a big list and I own quite a few of them. Uh, so there we go. Um, and the semis are the next group. And, you know, even some of the ones that are dead, were dead and gone, uh, are coming back to life. And, uh, if the one picks up, uh, everybody said it was going to a hundred a while, a couple of years ago. And I, a couple of people asked me to buy it for them. And I said, that doesn't make sense. But anyway, uh, some of the safety and defensive stocks are starting to correct. McDonald's, Coke, Procter & Gamble a little bit here. So, But, look, I will say this. I looked at the S&P 500 monthly uh, um, rep, uh, momentum, and this comes from our friends at Fundstrat, by the way. Bob Schleimer is uh, – Rob Schleimer is one of the great guys out there. The, the monthly momentum uh, data is an early upturn, and that's positive because that fits that four-year cycle to the T. So uh, what I like about this is the is the advanced decline line is intact and it's at new highs. One of the problems that we're having is finding where the leadership is, and I think it's going to be in you know semis are leading now. Industrials and financials, if they break out as a group, would be very positive. Uh, but the relative performance of bonds showing kind of early evidence of high you know higher lows in place, potential to, to reverse the 2019 downtrend. So. Uh, you know, meaning that we could see interest rates go up. Uh, the bear sentiment bounced a little bit, but it's still way down there. Uh, you know, on the AAI, uh, American Association of Individual Investors poll. And usually, you know, that's a contrarian indicator. So when it's down, everybody's bearish. It's the best time to buy stocks. And what's interesting is at the same time, the Citigroup G10 economic surprise data, which was very, very oversold, bounced. So things are getting better and people are, you know, jumping off a cliff. Um, <laughs> it's just the way it goes, you know, uh, it's psychologically deple- displeasing to buy stocks when they're down, but it's the best time to buy them. The EFA, um, uh, uh, which is the Morgan Stanley corporate index for the international stocks, more of the developed stocks, uh, broke above its resistance line this week. And the EEM, which is for the emerging markets did the same thing. So, uh, you know, I got, I, Look, we, we had a breakout and we had a pullback right to the breakout and it looked like it was breaking down and I kind of 
was wishy-washy for a couple of weeks, but uh, my original call is right, so uh, there we go. Now, I'm looking at 10-year note yields, and um, one of the things I, I have been saying for a while is the relative strength, or RSI momentum, is rebounding from deeply oversold levels, meaning I think yields are going to go up. I don't know how far they're going to go up. Uh, I don't think they're going to go to 5% or 6%. So for all you fixed income people, I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, but they are very, very oversold, and they've been here three times in history, 2016, 2012. I, I don't think they're going to stay there very long. I will say this. If you look at the, the TLT bond fund, which is just the bonds, okay, not the yield. The Remember, when the yield goes up, the bond goes down, uh, is making a lower high, uh, which is not necessarily – you know, good, but the the relative strength has become extremely oversold. The dollar did break down again from it, you know, uh, from an area that uh, I thought was it was going to rally to, but it didn't. So now we have to wait. You know, I mean, I think if it broke ninety five eighty, you want to buy gold, and you know, gold is uh, gold versus copper. You know, copper uptrend remains slowing, and so I think it might be peaking tactically. But uh, gold still an interesting scenario. Now, one thing about copper is copper came right back to its uptrend line, so don't go out and sell everything. I think it's okay. Not great, though. Um, I think it's very noteworthy. I'm seeing cyclicals, banks, retail, auto-related, and capital goods transports uh, doing well. And then the safety groups, you know, most notably, by the way, the utilities. So if, if, if I told you to call me after you got the prime income list and the dividend growth portfolio, I'm trying to tell you this, Okay. Um, staples and some, uh, some further software and, and software, uh, and some materials energy. I noticed some weak, real weakness last week, and now it, it picked up on Thursday and Friday. So we'll see what happens. Uh, in the meantime, I still think you got to look at the financials. The bank index looks great and the industrials look fantastic and the utilities are starting to weaken. The relative performance versus the S&P is weakening. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with the bullish percent. Okay, we're back. If you just tuned in, this is Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. Once again, if you'd like to hear this show in, you know, the full, full regalia, I guess, um, they they podcast the podcast this show. Easy for me to say on Saturday morning. Uh, again, on Tuesdays at noon. Uh, so if you go to WHK fourteen twenty AM, um, you know, you have the opportunity to um, rehear everything and. Uh, by the way, it goes directly to my web page. So, if you know, I've told you about the global growth uh, income ideas, uh, the dividend growth portfolio, the prime income list, and our top ideas. I just reviewed that. There's two or three of the top ideas on that on that sheet that are just phenomenal buys right now. Um, I'm actually waiting for one. I, I it, you know, I'm I'm kind of picky where I buy things. So, um, anyway, they're there. If you like them. You have to contact me or email me on my webpage uh, while you're there. Look at Bob Dickey's stuff. You know, he's our tech technician, and he's very good at what he does. It's all there for you uh, if you want it. Um, and if you want to have a, you know, a, a conversation about your particular situation, you know, I keep talking about these wealth plans. You know, the only people that get worried in a down market are the people that don't have a plan. I'll say that again. The only people worried about a down market 
the people that don't have a plan. Okay. And so we, we, we set you up with a wealth plan as soon as you open an account with us. So, uh, um, you know, take it from there. By the way, we have a couple of really good money managers. I think Marshfield's up 30 some odd percent this year. Uh, they were up 3% last year where the rest of the uh, world was down five to six. So they're pretty good at what they do. Um, anyway, for those keeping an eye, a close eye on broad relative strength changes across the capital markets, uh, I use Dorsey Wright's Dynamic Asset Level Investing Tool. And I, it's a great tool because it tells you where the leadership. And one of the things that happened this week, as you may recall, is utilities and tech, uh, technology were one and two. Well, utilities fell to third place. And uh, matter of fact, real estate is like six votes from overtaking them. Uh, and industrials, which I've been touting for some time, and I've started to buy some of those for my clients. So I thought that was very, very interesting. Uh, um, you know, if you're looking at, you know, sector rotation, that's a group to rotate in. And actually, there there's like eight ETFs that I was looking at, and one looks better than all the rest. So uh, that's for you guys to do figure out for yourself unless you're doing business with me. Um, now we talk about the bullish percent. The bullish percent simply is our main risk guide. Uh, it tells us, you know, if there's distribution in the market or there's accumulation. And it's just a chart that goes from zero to 100. When you get over 70, that's a red zone. That's when everything's hot, too hot to handle. And, you know, CNBC is telling you, go into 100,000 on the Dow. And then when you get below 30, you know, the the, the guys on the uh, on the desk at CNBC are, you know, Kramer's bumming out. He's ready to jump off a cliff. You know what I mean? He's, he's screaming and yelling at that point. So uh, there's two other factors to this, where you are in dynamic asset level investing. And right now, domestic equities are the number one asset class. So when we have a turn down, it's probably not going to be that bad unless, you know, that changes. The other thing is when we're in a column of X's, we have the offensive team on the field. When we're in a column of O's, that's distribution. That's when you want to be more careful. You may, you may want to raise a little cash, that type of thing. But we just turned into a column of X's this week so that everything's good. We're at 49. We're up 2.4%. Uh, we wouldn't break down again to 42. And, uh, you know, the, what was interesting is the over-the-counter index never broke down into a column of O's. So it was large-cap stocks that broke down. The small-cap stocks held their own. Now they're down far enough. <laughs> they probably don't have any more room to sell off. The world indexes are still negative, so uh, there we go. But with the bullish, you know, uh, bullish uh, percent turning up, that's a big positive. Okay, you got to get a little bit more thinking positively. And I, remember, I've been saying for four or five months now that I thought things would be very sloppy, and they have been. I mean, the problem was is that uh, last year everybody bought the same stocks at the end of the year, and that's why we didn't have any. You know, we didn't have big leadership changes. That's why you know, in favored sectors, we I think the most we had was eleven. So what we're finding is there's a leadership change going on here. Okay, uh, you know, Twilla was down. You know, it was 115 one day, is 96 the next day. Okay, uh, it was 150 to 96 all told. Uh, Anesta, uh, I mean, Arista Networks was 250. It's now one, I think it hit 175 on Friday. So look, there's a change going on. Okay. And understand that and if you don't understand, that's why it's been so hard to buy stocks this year. I try to tell people, you know, regularly that it's hard to buy stocks if there's no leadership. Number one, number two, if the old leaders are getting killed, you don't want to buy them when they're down because you, you know, because you, 
and I told I showed people the value versus growth thing. Uh, and if you want to see that, be you know, be my guest. Give me a call. Uh, but in the meantime, um, small cap bullish percent has reversed back into a column of X's, and, and that that's a very positive sign. Remember what I've always said here on this show is you don't want the kings and the knights leading into into war without the foot soldiers and the archers and all the rest of the guys that come along. Uh, the guys, even even the guys that are you know bringing the food up and the su- medical supplies and the ar- artillery supplies and the and the ammo, you don't want them sitting in the you know back at the barracks smoking cigarettes. So this is a very positive, very very positive development. All right. Uh, now I looked at all the charts and and uh, Dow Jones is still negative momentum. And by the way, it didn't hit a new high. The S and P did, Nasdaq did. Small caps didn't, but the S, you know, it didn't hit a new high. Now, we, we have seen some of the the foreign markets have been positive now for nine straight weeks, and that's a long time for momentum. The frontier market's about five weeks, so you want to be a little bit more careful when buying there, okay? Uh, but we did have the mid-cap and the small cap and the QQQs uh, and the equal weight S&P 500 all turn up with, with momentum this wet last week. So that's that's a real big plus i think uh, now the qqq um, is the best performing etf on a year-to-year basis so far it's up about 27 percent the s&p is only up 20 uh, so all those people who sold out last year and didn't get back in but the qqqs did break out to a new high now what's interesting uh almost 15 percent of that gain is from apple and microsoft amazon facebook google none of them have participated this year so they're, they're flat for the year or down uh, now, the other thing is we did have favored sectors. We only had eight favored sectors last week. We went up to 10 this week, and they are uh, building materials, uh, electric utilities. They're at 70, so you want to wait on those. Waste management, 65. I might want to wait. Semiconductors are at 60. I'd still There's some there I'd still buy. Real estate's at 55. Remember, we had three of the top five earnings surprises being real estate. Transportation's at 50. You've got to be careful. There's a couple that been a couple landmines there but they're still looking good housing electric uh, electrical products are at 45 that looks really good and protection services in wall street at 40 are great place to be uh, looking now there's still just uh, five or six companies i mean groups below 30 uh so we're seeing more and more turn up but they're not turning into favored sectors but uh, banks uh chemicals drugs household goods non-ferrous metals protect uh retailing uh, and apparel and transports all are in bull confirmed status, so they're not favored, but they're, you know, they're okay. Is what I'm saying. Uh, gaming, which had been completely unfavored, has moved up to average, and protection services moved into favored sectors, uh, favored sector this this week. Now, one of the things uh, that I did, you know, notice this week, and I I've been talking about the international sectors, and um, but the EFA, which is the Morgan Stanley Corporate Index, broke a triple top this week. The EEM broke its downtrend line. So this is important because, you know, maybe the whole world's turning up. Wouldn't that be great? If they could get rid of the tariff situation and have China, you know, uh, break down a little bit. But uh, I don't think that's going to happen. But I am starting to see a lot of these, uh, you know, brick and, uh, you know, the brick is Brazil, Russia, India, and China. Um, you know, they're pretty oversold at this point. So it'll be interesting to see if they bounce uh but a lot of these things are, you know, 62, 50, 62% oversold. So there we go. Um, the Fed wrapped up its, you know, two-day meeting this week with a new policy statement. 
Um, obviously, the the Fed fun, the Fed futures mark priced a, a 98% chance the Fed will cut interest rates by 25 basis points, which they did. Um, but the if you look at something, we look at the spread between the U.S. Treasuries and the high-yield bonds, and it broke a double bottom this week, and it's continued lower, uh, just one box away from its 2019 low. So, look, this rev- the chart has been on a sell signal since August, indicating that high-yield spreads have generally be- been declining. Um, investors have been demanding a lower premium for taking on credit risk. That's usually not a good sign. <laughs> uh, so you, you want to be a little bit more careful what you're buying. You know, don't buy junk, buy, buy quality. But the yield curves have returned to normal uh, state in October due to the lowering of interest rates, and that's good. Now, we still see, uh, you know, in the commodity area, oil has been negative for four weeks, although the oil stocks are starting to pick up, which is interesting. Gold has been negative for eight weeks, which is a long time, and I noticed that gold stocks are starting to pick up. Uh, copper has been negative, uh, you know, and then turned positive last week. So it's two weeks and, and corn's been positive for four weeks. Now, if gold were to break, you know, I told you it'd come down to about 1400. It, it, it bottomed out at like 1470. So it still could come to the 1400 level and bottom out. But precious metals is the number four chart, our number one chart on commodities. All right. It's the number one place to be. All right, now we're going to talk about relative strength. And remember, relative strength is important. What we've done is we started out with the economy. We've moved down relative strength. So what you want is your stock to have great fundamentals and great technicals. And relative strength is a big part of that. Amcor Technologies had a buy signal this week. American Woodward Corporation, Benchmark Electrics, H&E Equipment, Leggett & Platt, Liberty Property Trust was a takeover, M-I Homes, MKS Instruments, Martin uh, Midstream, and Nova Measuring, Reliance Steel, Universal Forest Products, Sharps Compliance Corp., uh, TAL Education, PBF Energy, Mobile, oh, those are uh, Toronto-based, sorry. And then on the sell side, we had Orifix, Six Flags, LaJolia Pharmaceuticals. uh, And look, with with those, I think you want to, Go back and take a look at your your fundamentals again, okay? Um, just just be careful with them. That's all I'd say. Now, look, I did notice that the bullish percent for all equity funds, so if you're in mutual funds, has turned up into a column of Xs. And if it were to break 80, uh, that would be very, very positive. It would be a double top. Uh, another thing that I've noticed is, you know, the S&P 500 index fund, there's been a broad improvement in the domestic and equity, international equity funds, but one, you know, this has been above four for some time now, so that's good. Uh, now, the financial and, and the banks, which have been, you know, for two, three years now, have been under three, are 277. And if they continue their you know, improvement, they'll be over there soon. We'll be right back with Insiders. Okay, we're back. Uh, this is Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes, and uh, we always talk about insiders because uh, what we've done is we started out with the economy. Okay, we talked about what the Fed did this week and uh, a whole bunch of other stuff like that, and then we moved it down to some technical, you know, areas that we like, and we've talked about which sectors we like, and now we're ta- we've talked about what sectors have given relative strength buy signals, and now we talk about where the insiders are buying, which is important. 
Now, this is for all you guys that like to go to Vegas. Guys and gals like to go to Vegas because there's a lot of gals that like to go to Vegas too, I'm finding out. Uh, I, I, just, I talked to like seven people last week, um, and uh, they said that their wives like Vegas more than they do, which is interesting. But this is called the, the Tile Shop Holdings. It's a little $1.89 stock, but we had a director buy $2.7 million worth, and he bought $1.3 million later. Then another director bought 2.193, then uh, the CFO bought 1.228, and then the CFO bought a million dollars worth, and I just noticed there's a couple more on Friday. And then here's Trinet Group, which is uh, we call business services. You know, this stock was uh, $77 uh, back in August. It's now 52 And a group called AGI-TLP, which is a um, an investment group, Bought five point eight four five million dollars, and then two days later, bought uh, five point seven nine oh million dollars. That's not chump change, folks. That's a that's a big buy. So uh, something to pay attention to. And then uh, we, PC Connections. You know, we talked about this one in in uh, September. It was a bunch of insiders, and the stock was up twenty percent the other day. Not bad, huh? And it hit a new high. And the president, Timothy McGrath, I like his first name, president and CEO, bought 35,000 shares at the new price, at the new high. And his CFO bought 15,000. That's about uh, almost $2 million worth of stock at a new high. So not only did it buy it, but now it's, he's proven what he, he thought was, you know, was going to happen. And now he's buying more. I like people like that. You know, I like that. Uh, Cloudera, which is a company that uh, does software and does a lot of business with the government, who's been holding back a little bit, I think, just had their uh, a director, uh, Martin Cole, who's, you should <laughs> Google him. Uh, he just bought uh, a ton of stock, about 100, he bought 134,000 shares. Uh, it's about an $8 stock. And I know there's two other guys that bought stock there, too. To the tune of, of, of about uh, fifty five, fifty six thousand. It's an eight dollar stock, so whatever. And then Hayco, um, which is in industrial goods, mostly aerospace. Uh, you know, they were one hundred and fifty just back in, I think, the last week of August. They're now one hundred twenty three. See, that's been the problem all along for the market is that uh, they take a group out every quarter or a couple groups out and shoot it. So it's hard. To, there's no leadership. Okay. But anyway, we had nine buyers of about $115,000 each. Love when I see that many buyers. Love it. Absolutely love it. And then we had J.P. Morgan hit a new high, and then it backed off a couple bucks. And Melody Hobson, who if you don't know who she is, you should Google her too, she bought $1.99 million worth. Uh, so you liked seeing that. And then Richard Kinder's at it again, Kinder Morgan. Morgan Kinder Morgan hit twenty one fifty the other day. Then backed off to 1991, he bought $6.051 million worth it. And three days later, he bought $6.248 million worth. He's been buying a lot of stock, and he already owns a lot of stock, which we'd like to see. And, and once again, for you guys, I'd like to roll the dice. And you guys and gals, I'm sorry. I, I keep forgetting that. I, <laughs> I'm, thinking, I'm, I'm thinking about you, Nancy. Uh, so uh, I didn't use your last name, but... Uh, Anyway, she loves these stocks. Uh, Reed's Corp, which is a consumer goods, uh, they're in the beverage and software uh, drink uh, area, and they had the first buy 
in over three years. And the stock was four bucks back in July. It's now 72 cents. And the CEO uh, bought a million dollars worth. And this is one that I think is really, really interesting. And that's Eli Lilly. Eli Lilly was $130 stock back in April. It's now 112. The president and CEO bought $490,000 worth. A director who's a very smart guy bought 200000 And then a president of oncology bought 103000 And then, I'm sorry, the president and CFO of of the international group bought 491, the president and CEO of the whole company bought 540. So he had four buyers of about $1.8 million worth. And it's the first buyer since the stock was 68 or something like that, uh, maybe 78. Um, also, there was a new issue uh, that we took part in. Uh, it's called a Priya Therapeutics. And I've been watching this one for some time in that uh, 5AM Ventures, which is a very smart group of guys, bought $5 million worth. Uh, Red Mile bought another $6 million worth, which is another uh, smart group of guys. Health Corp, uh, which is another, you know, hedge fund, bought $266,000 worth. And then we had, uh, let's see, eight others buy between 2,500 and 333,000 shares. So that's a pre, it's a fairly new issue. So don't forget that, Uh, you know, new issues can be volatile at times. New Mountain Finance, the uh, CEO bought $265,000. A director bought $4.7 million. Uh, another director bought 198000 And the president and COO bought 132000 So we had four buyers to the tune of almost $5 million worth. And then Opco, every time they do something like this, the stock hits a new low. So I don't know what to do with this one. This is another roll of dice. 153 is the price now, or 147 is the price. Uh, but Phil, Phil Frost, who has a great Track record, by the way, uh, bought three million shares, and then he bought uh, five hundred thousand, then three fifty, then two hundred, then two hundred, then fifty. So I don't know what the total is there. I think it's you know like three point eight, three point nine million shares. Jane Hasio, who's the chief science officer, and she's a bright lady. I've I've heard her speak. You know, she bought six hundred thousand dollars worth, which uh, you know is a lot. And then we had four other buyers. So I don't know what they're you know they. They haven't, the stock hasn't caught a break in a long, long time. So, I, you know, we'll see what happens. All right. So, um, look, the resistance on the S&P 500, we broke out just a little bit. And, uh, you know, that's good. But we'll see if we break through. Because I, well, I am starting to see the value versus growth stock, the relative performance is starting to turn up. So uh, value is gaining. Okay. So the relative performance of value stock is continuing to make gains against the previously lead leading growth stock sector, and is in a trend that could be the beginning of a more meaningful shift in the market. That's what I think. Uh, the bull's intact, though. I mean, look, if you go back to 2009, uh, we've got a series of higher highs, higher lows. So we've got a trend line set for the top and the bottom. Uh, we've been going sideways for several years, but we probably, you know, getting close in the four-year cycle. Um, you know, we've been making higher highs has been the pattern, but the problem is uh, they don't last long. Uh, most of them have only lasted less, less than two weeks. So you got to, you know, the proof is kind of in the pudding. The reason I'm a little skeptical <laughs> is that uh, the Dow Jones Industrials have not hit a new high yet. So the S&P is, the NASDAQ is, but, the you know, maybe the Dow's the last one to do it, and that would be really, really positive. Uh, I am starting to see the technology stocks. Um, leadership has changed from software to semiconductors. 
Okay, semiconductors are more industrial now. I would consider them versus technology, but the uh, the software stocks are starting to get beat up. Now we made a great call on software, and uh, um, I've said in the last couple of weeks that maybe you stayed too long. And uh, but the ten year yield uh, also appears to be leveling off here, so it'll be interesting to see. It's deeply oversold on a momentum basis, and we'll see what happens, uh, what's going on. But look, between six. 2016, the bottom, and 2018, we had a 38% move, and now we've just had a 3% move since then. So I think this four-year cycle is just about to turn up, you know, two years up, two years across. Um, and we have seen the bullish percent for all, all equity funds and also for all global and international diversified funds start to turn up. Um, and, you know, so we're – things are getting interesting. Now – Oil seems to be working itself lower, and I think if it breaks $50, it's probably heading into the low 40s. Um, might not happen. I, look, there's a lot of oil out there, and I think that's why all the oil companies are starting to look at, uh, you know, this cash flow model versus, uh, you know, the traditional oil model, which makes a whole lot of sense. But, look, we still have the American Association of Individual Investors. You know, they were at, um, you know, basically – the low where they were in 2019, just, uh, you know, a month ago, okay, a week ago. And we haven't seen those two low low of a reading since 1987. So it's been a long time. And so people are negative. There's all sorts of cash on the sidelines. Um, you know, you, you, don't, you don't have situations like this very often. And people, I mean, the impeachment process is a fiasco, I think. I mean, I think it's, uh, what I've read is kind of a joke. Uh, and and it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, how this all pans out. But, look, if there's any good news on tariffs, and even if there's not, we're going up without them. Okay, now if we get good news, what do you think is going to happen? We're going to have another 19, you know, I mean, 2016. We're going to go straight up. Uh, and that really occurred, basically, when Trump became president. Okay, so if we if if it continues, things can get very very interesting. So here's here's what I'd be looking at, and like I said, I do think oil stocks are cheap. Unfortunately, I can't send you our best oil ideas because uh, they're restricted for now. But as soon as they come off the restricted list, I'll let you know, and that's probably a good place because they're they're cheap. But the dividend growth portfolio, remember, still even with the move up in in the thirty year treasury, the the S and P five hundred's yield is still above the thirty year treasury. It's the first time it's ever happened. It's way above the 10-year. And the prime income list is two times the 10-year and, you know, about 90% higher than the dividend growth portfolio. So those are two good places to start. Also, our best idea list. There are two or three ideas on that that I think are really, really good. I also like uh, our top global income ideas. Um, and like I said, once once we uh, get the uh, the oil thing off the restricted list, we'll definitely be back in touch with everybody uh, a lot of people sent in for it, and I apologize, but uh, they did it late on Friday, and I and I, you know, mentioned it uh, obviously. And oops, <laughs> stuff happens, you know, stuff happens. But anyway, so go to WHK fourteen twenty AM. Go to the local podcast. Go down to Tim Hayes. If you want any of the material, hit the contact me, email me from my webpage, which you can go directly to. Uh, also, if you want to have a cup of coffee, you want to sit down and talk about your portfolio. Just contact me, uh, and, and we'll be glad to. In the meantime, have a great weekend. Stay warm. 
Remember, buy low, sell high. This is Smart Investor Show. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management.